Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Uh, diagnosed with cancer and ended up having surgery down at uh, Moffitt in Tampa. And then my cancer returned about a year ago and I went through radiation treatments, 38 days of radiation treatment, and uh, just went back for my six-month checkup. And all of my numbers are normal and everything is good. And that's the good news. The bad news is you got to put up with me a while longer. <laughs> please, please open your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter four. We will read uh, for the last time, and we'll move on. But uh, verses one through eight. First Thessalonians chapter four. Verses 1 through 8. We're in a study in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we've been for several weeks now dealing with the subject, the will of God. Did you know that's the number one question Christians ask? I read an article the other day, and this is what it said. More than anything else, Christians struggle and long to know God's will for their lives. In fact, surveys reveal the number one spiritual question believers ask is, how can I know the will of God? Now, this is not the only way, but one of the ways to know the will of God for your life is to read your Bible. Because sometimes the Bible will just come right out and say, this is the will of God. It does it in several places in the Bible. Our text is one of those places. First Thessalonians Chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. So listen, especially for the part about the will of God. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. One more time. For this is the will of God your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Now, this is like the fourth message on this subject, but I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Probably more times than you can count, you've heard something along these lines. 
Just put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything. It's all by faith, and it's all under grace. Now, friends, the church of Jesus Christ is being fed a steady diet of what I've just shared with you. You don't have to do anything. It's all by faith, and it's all under grace. Well, friends, I tell you, that sounds good. And there's a part of me that kind of wishes that were true, but is not. That's not biblical at all. This is the reason so many Christians have made an absolute mess out of their lives. This is the reason so many preachers and teachers and evangelists and leaders and church members are falling into sin every year in America. Because we believe something that's just not true. This is the reason revival tarries in America. The Bible makes it very clear that this is not the truth. Believers have believed a lie. A no-obligation Christianity is being preached in our day and time like never before. And friends, the truth is, you do have to do something. The fact is, There are a lot of things you have to do. Christianity is about doing something. Now it is with the help of God, the help of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Savior in our lives, but it's about us doing something. And one of the reasons the world is not interested at all in hearing us is because they see people who are not willing to do anything. They don't think we're any different from them, and for the most part we're not. Shouldn't be that way. I learned a poem many years ago. It's entitled A Little Rhyme and a Little Reason. It goes like this. If a man would be a soldier, he'd expect, of course, to fight. And he couldn't be an author if he didn't try to write. If a man would be a hunter, he must go among the trees. And he couldn't be a sailor if he wouldn't sail the seas. So it isn't common logic, doesn't have a real true ring, that a man to be a Christian doesn't have to do a thing. But that's what we're being told. And I want to tell you, that's not what God's Word teaches. The fact is, you do have to do something. You have to do a lot of things. There are many requirements of us as Christians. Philippians 2.12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means you take it seriously. This is not a casual thing. It means that you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, yes, I know, I know doctrine, I understand theology as well as you do. We are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation or work your way into salvation. It is the grace of God that leads us to the point of salvation. But the grace that brings us to the point of salvation demands that we go to work at that point. It demands that we go to work at that point. And we're being told something other than that today in our songs and our preaching and our books and our tapes. Just by faith. It's all under grace. You don't have to do anything. Don't worry about that. 
Well, friends, that's just not true. The New Testament is filled. That is not an exaggeration. The New Testament is filled with things that we as Christians have to start doing, and it is filled with things we have to stop doing. You see, those who preach and teach this, no responsibility, no obligation, you don't have to do anything. It's just all by faith. It's all under grace. They're just wrong. They're just wrong. And I want to tell you, when that stuff is being preached and proclaimed and sung and ministered in the churches of Jesus Christ, the devil is on the sidelines going, yes, keep it up. Because you know why he's doing that? Because he knows as long as he can keep you going down that pathway, as long as he can keep you believing that kind of stuff, you'll never discover the will of God for your life. You want the truth? Here's the truth. Everything has to change in your life. Everything has to change in your life. It's a complete makeover, if you please. By the way, who would even want a Christianity that makes no changes in your life? It's not worth anything. I maintain that a salvation that makes no changes in your life now will not change your eternity when you die. Somebody needs to hear that. A salvation that makes no changes in your life right now will not change your eternity when you die. You see, friends... When the grace of God brings us to the point of meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, which none of us deserve, which none of us could earn, which none of us are worthy of, it's strictly the grace and the mercy of God. But when the mercy of God brings us to the point of salvation, it demands of us a total lifestyle change. And I'm glad to be a part of a church where part of our belief statement says this, that genuine salvation equals a changed life. You see, salvation changes us. It changes us. That's what the Bible says. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I believe it is, says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're radically changed. We're made new creatures. It's a wonderful thing. This radical transformation of our lives is the will of God. You want to know what the will of God for your life is? Meet Jesus, follow the Holy Spirit, and be radically and gloriously changed into something that brings glory to God. That's God's will for your life. What else really matters? See, that is the will of God for our lives. To live for Him. Now, our text deals with one area that has to change. One area that we have to work on. One area that we have to be committed to. The text that I just read to you a moment ago deals with one area. Now, we don't have time to deal with all the things that have to change in our life. If we, if we did that, we'd have to read the whole New Testament, wouldn't we? So we're just dealing with one. This is not the only one. But we're just dealing with one. And here it is. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain 
from sexual immorality. Now the Greek word for sexual immorality is the word pornea. That's the word. It is the word from which we get our word pornography. But it refers to all manner of sexual sin. Now to make sure we're all on the same page, and I shouldn't even have to do this, but because of all the garbage that has been preached in our day and time, and all the little concessions and compromises, I feel compelled to do this. I just want to share this with you. Pornography is pornea. Adultery is pornea. Homosexuality is pornea. Watching sexually sexual scenes on TV and movies is pornea. Allowing someone to touch you in a sexual way outside of marriage is pornea. Now, these are not the only scenarios, but you get the point. One more time, I want to read it, and I want to actually put that Greek word in. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from pornea. Bottom line is, friends, God doesn't want His children involved in sexual sin. He doesn't want us dabbling in that. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must not be even a, say that word with me, hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed. Because these are, would you read those last five words with me? Improper for God's holy people. This is improper. This is not fitting. We shouldn't have any part of this. Now, our text goes on and does something that's pretty unique on this subject of sexual immorality. It gives us three reasons why we as Christians, remember this is not written to the lost world. This is written to us as Christians, three reasons that Christians have to stay away from pornea, sexual immorality. Here's the first one. God is the punisher of those who commit sexual sin. That's what it says in the text. Verse 6 says that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. You can look it up for yourself. That word avenger means that God is the one who is the punisher. That God is the one who executes the penalty. It's not the only place in the Bible we read this. We're told... In Ephesians, that because of pornea, uses the same Greek word, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Then it says to us, therefore, do not be partakers with them. This is something we have to stay away from, church, completely. And I tell you, I'm like many of you, I hear you talking about it. I hear the buzz in our fellowship that we want revival, we want a move of God, we want to see the power of God, we want to see miracles, we want to see mighty works of God in this fellowship. Friends, we have to go through sanctification. We have to let the Lord do a cleansing work in our lives. Here's the second reason for staying away from it. It's in our text. God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Verse 7, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Now, this second reason is a, is a powerful motivator. It really is. Because, you see, you've got to understand that God has a wonderful plan for your life. God has something beautiful for your life. God wants to, to do something holy. 
God wants to do something godly in your life. Uh, Ephesians, the second chapter, says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. See, before you were even born, God had a plan for your life. And the reason we have to stay away from sexual immorality, this pornea that the Scripture talks about, is because it messes up with the call of God on our lives. It, it messes everything up. God has this wonderful, beautiful plan for us. And I'll tell you, there are Christians all over America and all over the world who will never really walk in the center of God's will for their lives. Because they won't read the Scriptures and obey the Scriptures. We have to stay away from sexual immorality. God wants to do something in your life. First reason is, a, is reason enough. The judgment of God. You don't want the judgment of God on your life. Uh, the second reason is this. You don't want to do anything that interferes with this holy calling on your life. And that brings us to the third and last reason for this morning. Living in sexual sin means you are rejecting God and the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, Therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Now friends, the Bible tells us, in the context of dealing with pornea, sexual immorality, it says that if we reject this, we're not rejecting man, we're rejecting God and His Holy Spirit. That's, that's almost unthinkable, isn't it? You, you see, friends, if someone in this congregation, and I pray this would never be the case, but if someone in this congregation, after hearing this message and reading this text, were to walk out of here today and continue to live in sexual immorality... I want you to understand that you are not rejecting man. You're not rejecting the teachings of man. You're rejecting God and His Holy Spirit. You're, re you're rejecting Him. You, listen, you may not like this sermon I'm preaching. In fact, you may not have liked any of these sermons I've preached. You may get mad. You may leave. You may never come back. You may say ugly things about me. You may say he's narrow-minded, he's old-fashioned, he's legalistic, and he's, he, he actually believes the Bible. By the way, I'd like for you to say that one. You can go out there and say anything you want to. But the fact is, if you choose to live in sexual immorality, you are not rejecting me, this church, or anybody else. You are rejecting God and His Holy Spirit. I, this is such a serious matter. And, and the reason why is because we desperately, desperately, I can't, I don't even have the right words, we desperately need the Holy Spirit, don't we? The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our guide. He's the one who works in us. He brings the power of God. He gives us strength. He gives us clarity. He shows us things to come. He sounds the warning. The Holy Spirit, just go through the Bible, all the things. Uh, I looked on the internet, I found 50 things that the Holy Spirit does for us. Trust me, we need every one of them. We need every one of them. Having the Holy Spirit is so important. Words can't explain how important this is. Did you know that six times the Bible warns us 
about messing with the Holy Spirit. I wish I had time to just preach an entire message on this. Acts 7.51 tells us not to resist the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says don't quench the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 10.29 says don't insult the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12.31 and 32 says don't speak against the Holy Spirit. And our text says that we shouldn't reject the Holy Spirit. Now friends... We should be very sensitive. We should be very careful. We should make sure that we do not reject the Holy Spirit. That we don't quench the Holy Spirit. That we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That we don't insult the Holy Spirit. That we don't say anything against the Holy Spirit. And above all, we don't reject the Holy Spirit. Man, that would just be absolutely tragic for us to do that. What if I were to take a microphone today? And what if I were to walk around in the house with everybody here, walk up to every person in this house. I walk up to you and say, please stand. And then I say to this person, I want to give you an opportunity to take this mic and reject God and the Holy Spirit. Just go on and do it publicly in front of everybody here. I'd like for you to reject God and the Holy Spirit. I can tell you, friends. Well, you may be thinking, Pastor, why in the world would you do that? And the truth is, I would never do that. I'd never do that. But if I were to do that, I believe this with all my heart. I don't believe there would be one person in this house that would take me up on it. I believe every person in this house would say, No way. No way. Pastor, never. I would never do that. Well, listen to me, friends. The enemy gives us a chance every day in our lives in some way, form, or fashion to reject the Holy Spirit, to reject God, and to reject the Holy Spirit. Every time somebody goes into pornography, Every time you let somebody touch you in a sexual way who's not your husband or your wife. Every time you entertain yourself by watching somebody else commit sexual sin and perversion on TV and movies. Every time you engage in pornea in any way, form, or fashion. Every time you do that. It's just like you taking that mic in your hand and saying, I'm rejecting God at this moment. And I'm rejecting the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, that just can't be true. Read your Bible. That's what it says. That's exactly what it says. It says, if you reject this, you're not rejecting man. You're rejecting God. And you're rejecting the Holy Spirit. And you don't want to do that. In fact, when we move in the area of pornea, Let me tell you, we're not just rejecting the Holy Spirit. We're rejecting the Holy Spirit, but we're choosing to follow an unholy spirit. And hear me well, friends. When you follow an unholy spirit, it leads to disaster. Always. The only exception to that, and I believe this is an exception, and praise God for this exception. The only exception to that is when a person hears the truth of God, repents, And turns to the Lord 
and stops that tragic movement in their lives. See, that, that changes it. And I know this may seem hard. This seems like hard preaching. This seems difficult. I, I, heard, I heard somebody ask the question, how in the world can we live a G-rated life in an X-rated world? The answer to that is, you read your Bible. You do what the Bible says do. You turn it around. Rather than resist the Holy Spirit, you submit to the Holy Spirit. Rather than quench the Holy Spirit, you welcome the Holy Spirit. Rather than grieve and insult the Holy Spirit, you obey the Holy Spirit. Rather than reject the Holy Spirit, you completely, 100% surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. And friend, it's, and, and when you do that, it's on. It's on. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's glorious when you do that. And I want to tell you something about the Holy Spirit, friends. I, and I'm, you know me, I like to joke and laugh. And I had some jokes I wanted to tell you all today. Because I like to hear you laugh. But I was thinking about all this, this cancer stuff I've been through. And I was thinking, I went in just this past week. And there's a place for joking and laughing and having fun and a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But I was thinking about going in to see my doctor and get a report. I was a little bit nervous. I'm just going to tell you. I was thinking, what kind of report am I going to get? Oh, praise the Lord. Let me, let me get this. Let me get this. I want a good report. And I was thinking, what if I went in to get this report about my cancer and my doctor said, hey, let me tell you a joke. I heard the funniest joke you ever heard in your life. No! I don't want to hear your joke. I want you to tell me something that I need to hear. There's a time when we need to cut through the clutter. We need to tell it, as my wife says, like an IS is. We need to preach the truth. And friends, I want to tell you, when the Holy Spirit begins to lead and guide in your life, He always leads in the area of holiness. Wouldn't that just make sense? Holy Spirit leads in the area of holiness. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will never lead you down the road, road of compromise. The Holy Spirit will never lead you down the road of a lukewarm Christian life. The Holy Spirit will never lead you down the road of casual Christianity. When you submit to the Holy Spirit, He leads you down the road of holiness. Radical holiness. That's the road He leads you down. And friends, the moment you do it, it's exciting. Here's the best news you're going to hear all day long. And that is the moment, the moment you, and I do believe this is always under the leadership and the grace. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But the moment you make up your mind that you are ready to get sexual immorality out of your life without compromise, you want it completely out of your life, you don't want there to be a hint of sexual immorality in your life, the moment you do that, the Holy Spirit goes to work in your life. The Holy Spirit goes to work. Now you're not rejecting the Holy Spirit. You're receiving the Holy Spirit. Now you're not resisting. You're obeying. You're walking. The moment you do that, something beautiful begins to happen. I was thinking back over my ministry. And uh, some, 
on one occasion many years ago, I had the privilege of working with and ministering to a stripper, a woman who made her living in a strip club. And she was struggling. She was coming out of that lifestyle. And she wanted to live for Jesus. I ministered to her. And helped her. <laughs> Gave her the... We have a, we have a, a runaway here. <laughs> but hey! But she was running in the right direction. She was running toward the altar. <laughs> and that's a good thing. But anyway, I had the privilege of ministering to and working with this woman who had been a stripper. And then I started thinking, through the years I've worked with many, many, many people who have fallen into adultery, who were deceived by the enemy. They didn't mean to do it, but they fell into adultery. And I've shared the truth with them. And I've watched what God has done in their lives. And I have ministered to and worked with both male and female homosexuals. And shared the truth with them. And by the way, don't ever leave here and say I'm homophobic because I'm not. It hadn't been too long ago we invited a former homosexual to come stand in this pulpit and lead our worship. And it was one of the greatest worship services we've ever had here at River of Life. And this individual has a standing invitation to come back and will come back and lead in worship. I've had the privilege of seeing some men and women and the changes God has made in that area. I, I maybe more than anything else, I've ministered to people who were captured by the addiction of pornography and ministered to them. I've ministered to couples who are living together, but not married, who love each other and want to get right with God, but they're not married. And on several occasions, I've invited a former prostitute to stand in front of this church and minister to the congregation. The one thing all of these people have in common the one common denominator with all of these people is they came to a point where they decided to take God at His word. They drew a line in the sand. Thus far and no more. They submitted themselves before the Lord for cleansing. To be washed and to be sanctified. And a total submission to the leadership of the Holy Spirit to get that junk out of their lives. And friends, in every one of them, I watched God, in spite of what had happened in their lives, start doing a beautiful work. An amazing work. A glorious work. A thing that just makes you say, to God be the glory. Great things He has done. I'm at the end of this series, and I'm at the end of this message, and I prayed about this. Lord, what do you want me to ask them to do? And here's what I got. I think the Lord wants everybody in this church, everybody in this church to say, I am ready. Now, I know somebody's probably going to say to me after the service, Pastor, I'm not in... I'm not in 
engaged in any sexual sin. And I praise God for that. And that's wonderful. But do you realize, listen to me, very important. Maybe there's nothing I've ever said from this pulpit that's on the level this is. Do you realize that every year in America, thousands, tens of thousands of Christians who are not involved in any sexual sin at all fall into sexual sin. They fall into it. They get involved in it. Pastors have to step down. Deacons have to leave their, leave their churches. Board members. Why? Because they didn't make a commitment to something God's Word teaches. Your commitment today may keep you from falling tomorrow. One more time. Your commitment today, even if you're not engaged in any type of sexual immorality, your commitment today may keep you from falling tomorrow. Embarrassing your family, embarrassing your church, but most of all, embarrassing the Lord who saved you. So, for those who are struggling in any area right now, then I'm going to ask you to just say in your heart, I'm ready. Pastor, I've heard the word. I'm ready. For those who are not involved in any sexual sin, I want to hear you say, I'm ready. I'm ready to make a deeper commitment. I'm ready to say yes to God's Word. I'm ready to be sanctified, and I'm ready to make a commitment, and I'm ready to be on guard to stay away from and abstain from sexual immorality. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.